how can we reach this generation? I know it's, it's going to be a little bit different question here, and we'll go with this question, but how can I reach this generation? Fiona was actually preaching about the crisis of identity, that there's this crisis of identity in our generation, and we don't know exactly who we are. And you know, if you don't know who you are, someone else can tell you who you are. If you don't know exactly who you are, wherever you are and whoever you are with will tell you who you are and you will try to fit in. And you will try and some of you became so many people depends where you are. You are different at work, you are different in church, you are different at home. You have a Christmas tree at home, but you hate it in church. You have a Christmas tree at church, you hate it at home. And we, we are not the same in every place. Because sometimes we have this crisis of identity. Do you know who you are? Do you know your value? Do you know your values? You know, so if you know who you are, no one else can call you who you are not. Because no, you know who you are. And uh, Fiona was actually preaching about it, speaking about it, and she shared something very, I think, very sensitive for her. She was uh, talking about how she wanted to be a boy when she was young, and she wanted to be like, like a man. She wanted to do all the hard things. And in our society now, you know, in the past, she just felt it for his dad to, to, to become a boy, to become strong for his dad. But in our society now, it's all about feelings. If, if she was born 20, 20 years later, someone could tell her, hey, you can become whoever you feel like. Maybe take some hormones. Maybe do this. And we are actually going through a huge crisis of identity. So that's why it's so important to know who you are. Who are you in Gara? So who you are? Tell me. Give me some, some shout to me. Who are you? Daughter of God. Child of God. Who are you? Righteous of Christ. Be real with me. Redeem. Treasure. Loved by God. It's so important to have a right identity, that no one else can put wrong identity on you like you are a failure. You will never do it. You are a liar. You will fail. You are a good salesman. You are a good businessman or whatever. If you know who you are, no one else will tell you who you are. <laughs> so that's very important. So that, that was the, the, uh, what uh, Fiona was uh, sharing about. And then I thought, so what's the other pillar that is so important if we want to reach this generation and if we want to answer hard questions. Because now the series is questions for students. Do I have any students in here? Students. Do I have any students in life? You know, you are all students. If you're not a student, it's mean, it means you will know it all. Do I have anyone who knows it all? Okay, only Bob. <laughs> And if you don't know it all, <laughs> Bob, <laughs> if you don't know it all, you're a student in life. So you're still learning. You're still open to learn. And I'm still open to learn. I'm learning. I, I have some uh, pillars in my life. I have some bases in my life, but I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And uh, as I was thinking about us being a students, sometimes students, they deal with very hard questions. And actually the idea for this 
serious is that so many young people, they ask questions, they never get answers. Because when I was young, or when we were young, we were asking priests some, uh, uh, the priests some hard questions, and, uh, and they were like, oh, you just, you just believe. There's no answers, no answers. So my question for today is, can we show that question? Is God good? Is God good? Oh, I see, I hear, yes, straight away. Why, why did I choose this question? We were hanging out with uh, young people last week with some skaters, and, uh, and uh, one of the ideas was maybe to ask them, what do you think, what, what is the question that you never receive an answer and uh, that you are even afraid to ask? And uh, one, his name was Daniel, he asked about religion, and he asked and said, do you think, because I told him, hey, I'm going to speak about it in church, so do you have any questions, hard questions? And he said, uh, do you think, Greg, that uh, religion is just made to control people? Is just made by people to control other people? I would ask this question, and that triggered me that I asked him to ask question, a hard question about God, but he asked a question about religion, about men. So there's one problem that so often our young generation and generation that doesn't want God, they mix and they confuse religion with God. God is not religion. God is God. God is not religion. God is relationship. And so often they look at the church through people who call themselves church people. And they think God is wrong. Because church, we need to admit, we hurt people. And I'm not talking, oh, Catholic church or this church. We hurt people. We hurt people. We hurt people by calling ourselves the names we called ourselves and then hurting people or not helping people. I was actually on this business meeting and a PATH organization was there and they help homeless people. And I was just thinking, they, some of them, they don't even have God in their hearts. But they still do God work. They give homeless food. They give homeless uh, sleeping bags. So sometimes we are to blame. And that was sad. So, so I could have conversation with Daniel. And then another one, Bartek. Bartek is his name. He asked this very typical question. And I was uh, talking with Heather about the same question she received when she was uh, outreaching in People's Park. And they said, is God good? If God is really good, why would I be, why would I be uh, in such a pain? Where was he? Why would they bully me? If God is good, why he created evil? So these are some difficult questions I want to touch today. And that's why I need prayer. You know, every time we, we're trying to touch those difficult questions, we need prayer. So I'm just going to pray, God, I come to you as a broken vessel. And in my wisdom, I don't understand everything. Actually, I don't have too much of my wisdom, but I can use and I can relay on your wisdom. Holy Spirit, help us to understand your goodness and help us to answer this question, are you good? Are you really good? Are you really good, God? 
Do you care for us? Do you care for me when it's tough? Do you care? Are you close to me? So just Holy Spirit, fill, fill this place, open our hearts to understand your goodness and how you actually showed your goodness to this world. Because God, we believe you are good. Would you say amen with me? We believe you are good, but we want to show this goodness to the generosity, to the generation, to the generation that we are losing. We don't want to lose this generation. We don't want to lose this generation, and we don't want to omit their questions about God. Is this God good, the God that you are serving? How should we speak with them? How should we show them? Give us an answer today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Is God good? So, so first question, church, do you believe that God is good? In your hard time, when there's no money for rent, or when there's this disease, disease at your home, do you still believe that God is good? It's a very deep core question. When everything is not going right, do you still believe that God is a good father? So I will start with church first, and I think church is a little bit to blame because part of church stopped believing that God is really good. They believe that God punishes people, they believe that God tests people, they believe that God does some things with people to train them, to make them better. And, uh, and as we read the scriptures, we see a lot of scriptures uh, when, when people were going through tests. But every time someone tells me, God put a sickness on me to test me, to train me, I'm always asking them, look at Jesus. You know, because Jesus is the beginning and the end. And my question is always very simple. Did Jesus, has Jesus ever put a sickness on someone? This is a very simple question. Because so often we say, God put a sickness on me. So question, if Jesus is God, if he's the Lord, if he was from the beginning, and he will be to the end, and he is, a, he, he is God, he is God who came in flesh, did he ever put disease on someone? Has he ever said, I have no time for you? Has he ever said, I'm not going to heal you? He is good. So every time you ask yourself, did God put it on me? Look at Jesus. It's the easiest way. Look at Jesus, the one who started our faith, the one who came and died for us. Look at Jesus. And as we look at Jesus, you will see God is good. God is good. So when you start the conversation, I can tell you they will always end up on Jesus. They will always end up on Jesus. So the question that came to me, I have few here, but one of the questions I will try to answer, I will try to answer, hey, it's okay actually to be a Christian and to not have all the answers. Would you agree with me? Paul said we see as through a dim glass. So we don't see everything. And I know that there will be a day when I will come to God and I will ask him some questions I don't know the answer. So it's okay to not have all the answers. But it's okay actually to think and to pray to God, God, give me the answer. 
So first question, if God is good, someone can ask you on the street, some of the young people, if God is good, how did he and why did he create evil? Why would he create Satan? That was the toughest one I've heard and the toughest one I had to process. And actually I spoke with uh, Noel about it a week ago and I was like, I don't know even should I bring this question. But why would I be afraid? God will protect himself. So God was from the beginning. And he created everything. And everything what he created was good. Everything what he created was good. And you know, when I think about God, he could have few choices. And one choice, he could create nothing. That's the one choice. God could create nothing. When his spirit was hovering, he could create nothing. Two, he could create a world without morality, immoral world, when there's no good and no evil. And then he could create a world with a choice. And what I believe deep is that God gave us a choice to become free. The designer designed everything in the right way. He gave us everything in the right way to decide in a good way to decide good, to decide to choose good. Yet, he gave us a gift of love. And the gift of love is choice and freedom. He created you free. And you want to be free. You didn't want to be programmed. You wanted to be free. And the designer did everything he could to create good atmosphere, good world, to surround you with goodness and to pursue you to choose good. And the problem is, actually with this question, not is God good, but are we good? And so often we mess it up, and then we say, is God good? So one of the first questions we need to say and answer ourselves is, are we good, or are we mess it up? About Satan, this is Gregory saying, Paul said, this is Paul saying once, you know, so this is Gregory saying, but I believe that he was created in the image of God. He was created perfectly, but he had a choice. He had a choice and freedom to choose, and he went into pride, and that's why he became evil. I don't believe that God created evil. I believe that he decided to become evil. I don't believe that God created Evil, he decided to become evil. So this is a very short and easy answer. What young people will ask you a lot, they will ask you, what about Old Testament God? What about Old Testament God who seems not to care, who seems to punish people, who seems to do so many things? And if you're writing it down, it's very important to understand the purpose for Old Testament. I believe that Old Testament is totally came from God. And we should read it. We should read it. But what's the purpose of Old Testament? Number one, reveals severity of sin. So Old Testament will reveal how strong and heavy sin is. Self-discipline program will not help you. Improving self-help 
discipline will not help you with sin. Sin is severe. Sin is severe. Number two, Old Testament shows that God is love. But God is just. It's his nature. This is God. He's love. But he's just. You cannot take only his love and say God is only love. You cannot say and take only justice and say God is only just, not loving. This is his nature. He's just and he's love. And you know, sometimes we have problems to take God's justice. But the truth is, you all want justice. If someone steals your car, you want justice. Do you? If someone would kidnap your kid, of course you want justice. You want a just creator. So God is love. And God is just. And in his justice, he said... The payment for sin is death. That's so simple. The payment for sin is death. The payment for sin is death. That's why Ten Commandments, imagine the world with Ten Commandments, where people really obey Ten Commandments. Don't steal, don't kill, don't take another man's wife. Imagine this, that kind of world. Ten Commandments, not to annoy you, not to make life harder, but actually to make your life beautiful. Imagine people who are not killing themselves, who are not stealing others' wives, who are not stealing others' husbands or, or, or houses, whatever. Imagine. Love your parents. Love your neighbor. Imagine not to annoy you, but to make your life so much better as designer planned it to be. Number three... Old Testament was written to express an absolute hopeless, hopelessness of humanity. Through Old Testament, we see that we are hopeless. You are hopeless. They were trying and trying and trying, and they couldn't do it. And they couldn't manage. They had to admit, we are unmanageable. We are unmanageable. Number four, God in Old Testament showed everyone that we need a savior. Very easy. We need a savior. Humanity is broken. Something is broken. We are broken vessels. Something is sick in us. Something is bad in us. We are not good. God is good. We are not good. And you need a savior. That's the purpose of Old Testament. It's so sad that sometimes we take Old Testament, take it out one scripture, and we don't understand, and we fight with the scripture like with this little sword, and we like, ah, oh, punching ourselves with them small swords. And we don't understand the reason even of Old Testament and the whole picture. Number five, Old Testament, throughout Old Testament, it points to Jesus as our only possible solution to our hopeless condition. So if we speak with youngsters, with teenagers, with people who can't understand God, I want to encourage you always, point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. The Old Testament was speaking about Jesus all the time. The Old Testament was written to show how hopeless we are. The Old Testament was written to show that no self-discipline, no law, no tradition can't help you. 
can't help you. Yet the Old Testament was written to show you that God is good. And the Old Testament was showing all the time through the, through the time of Old Testament was showing and prophesying about the Savior that will come, that was from the beginning. And he will come and he will do something amazing. We can open. So, you know what? Let's look at Jesus. Just for a second, I want to show you God's character when we look at Jesus. Look at those lights. And now we can think about Jesus. In the beginning, it's John 1. It's John 1. The beginning of the gospel. And ask yourself a question as you read, how will I reach this generation? That's the purpose of me today, here speaking. How will I reach this generation that has identity crisis, that doesn't know where they're going, what's the purpose, that believes that God is not there for them, they don't know who they are. How will I reach it? So let's look at Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, Logos, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was at the beginning. He was always, always. He was in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. Never created. Always. Always there. Digested at home today. Think about God and His greatness. Now, number three. All things were made through Him. Everything was made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. Everything was made through God, through the Word, through Jesus. In Him was life. And the life was the light of man. The light of man. The life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. The light is stronger than darkness. Like we just close all the lights, turn off the lights, and you still see uh, see these small lights, because the light is stronger than darkness. That's why I believe that as a church, we need to go out with the lights that we carry in, instead of locking ourselves in a church. Go out. Verse 10, he was in the Word, and the Word was made through him. Can you imagine? The Word was made through him, and the Word did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is Jesus. This is God. When you start talking about all the wrong things, all the bad things, why some things are happening, you can discuss about it. But you, I want to encourage you, always end up with Jesus. Jesus is a perfect picture of God. Jesus is a God. Jesus shows us the Father. So every time someone argues with you and tells you, hey, is God good? Did God did, did, did this? 
Look at Jesus. I actually love what you did, Heather, that the kids, they had, to, they had this challenge to read through John. Yes? They, re- they read through John in one day. Seven days they read through John. I want to encourage you, church, read through John, Gospel of John, to know God, to know that God is good, to know Jesus. Read through John. I was actually reading, I was going to read through John yesterday, and I got stuck on this first uh, chapter, but... Because it was so powerful. But read through John to understand God. And you know when I think about Jesus, he always healed. He had to omit some, some of the towns because they had no faith. But he was always ready to heal. He was always ready to forgive. If you fell six, seven times, he still forgave you. He was always ready to even resurrect you. He was always opened. If you go to chapter 8, I just want to read this short, short story about Jesus, just to show you God, just to show you God. And when I read about Jesus, you know it's God. <laughs> yes? But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, now early in the morning, it's chapter 8. He came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. She was caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the adultery, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us to, set, to stone such a. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stopped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as thought he did not hear. Hmm. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stopped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up, and saw so no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Hey, this is God. This is Jesus. And what I see, Jesus had only one problem. And he had one problem with those who were putting them fingers, those religious people who are throwing the stones. And sometimes as a church, all we do is take stones and we're throwing them stones on them. We're just throwing them stones on them. And God was breaking my heart on Wednesday on this worship. We need to love them. We want to reach this generation by arguing with them, by showing them our smartness, by showing them how smart and educated we are. But we need to love them. He said, I will not condemn you. And you know what he said else? He said, sin no more. 
He said, sin no more. Yes, he pointed the sin. Sin no more because the sin, this adultery, will kill you. Sin no more. But think, if she sinned, if she had sinned again, would he forgive her? Would he forgive Peter if he sinned twice or three times? Yes, he forgave her. It was no problem for him to forgive, but he gives advice to the world. Hey, sin no more because it will kill you. He speaks to me, sin no more. He speaks to you, sin no more. He speaks to you, sin no more. Because the consequences will be not what I designed for you. And I know I'm very aware of it. The consequences of my pride, the consequences of my rebelness, of whatever, will not be what he designed for me. And that's why this generation needs him so much. We live in a broken generation. And we are the light of the world. Yet we choose to hide in church. <laughs> we choose, some of us have chosen to hide in church with the light. And we hide ourselves under the baskets. But these kids, them skaters, them sinners, them addicted, them alcoholics, them workaholics, them shameless, them pointless, they have answers. And if we as a church, we don't give them answers, we don't give them love, we'll lose them. That's why we need revelation from God, and God has to break our hearts. Break our hearts for the generation that is dying. Break my heart. I don't want to be a church per person. Actually, this, this Daniel, he asked me, so are you religious? I, I hate when someone calls me religious. So are you religious because you're going to church and maybe sometimes speaking, are you religious? Religion will not get you there. Christ will get you there. Religion will not get you there, but relationship with Christ will get you there. And this is what we need to tell and say to those young kids. Those young people, give your testimony, give the testimony of God's goodness in your life. Tell them that sin will destroy them. There's nothing wrong about telling about sin and judgment. Sin will destroy you. Hey, you're taking drugs. You're taking drugs. Someone, you think no one knows about it. Hey, it will still destroy you. Man, I know them people who died, who jumped, who, 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 who took too much. Sin will destroy you. But there's a hope. And God is good. So how to explain that God is good? Because he gave his only son. He gave his only son. He came and he was the light. He, everything was created for him. And nothing was created without him. And yet he came. He put himself. He put flesh on himself. He dressed himself in the flesh. And he came. And we didn't accept him. And we crucified him. But he did it according to the plan. Because he loves this generation. He loves this generation. He loves this generation. I can repeat again, the only problem Jesus had was with religious people. This is what I see in the Bible. This is what I see in the Gospel. Actually, if you read this story a little bit further, he screams to, uh, to, uh, to religious leaders, your father is the devil. He would go so, so wild with them. He would say, you don't know the truth. You will not hear me. You will not listen to me because your father is the devil. He would fight with them. He wasn't too nice with religious people. But he was always ready to accept a sinner. So I want to show you something maybe controversial, but I just want to show you. It's one of the 
guys, you probably, some of you, you probably know him very well. He's going to the streets, to the streets, and what he preaches, he preaches love of God. And he goes to the generation that we so often point finger on, and which is actually broken, and they need God. So he does three things, so if we can uh, listen to this short testimony, and we can... And I didn't realize the value of life. Like when you were born. You were born into a family. That didn't know how valuable you were. Same as me. My mom and dad didn't know the value of life. Same stuff. Brian, the same stuff. A lot of people, the same stuff. So I became suicidal. I wanted to put a gun in my head and be done with my life. I've done the Ouija boards, the tarot cards. I've done it all. I couldn't find peace. That night, I heard that voice. I got home. I thought I was. I thought I was bleeding. There were no bullets in my car. From three meters, and the voice wouldn't go away. I went away to a rehab, another rehab. And I was there for two months. And I had three nights in a row where I met Jesus. I didn't meet church. I didn't meet religion. I met him. He told me he was the voice. He rocked my life, man. He changed my everything. He made me a dad. And I came home. And my girlfriend met Jesus when I went away. And we got married four days later. And that was 14 years ago. Man, I'm telling you, he loves me. I promise. Okay? Hey, I love you. I love you so much, bro. Can I pray for you? Yeah, come. Come here. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus. Bless my friend. Bless him. Let him know how much you love him, God. I thank you in Jesus' name. Show him who he is, God. Who's going to go to this generation? This guy, he's an artist, a satanic artist, who has no identity. And trying, he was trying to find it everywhere. And if you probably look at him at the street, you would avoid him or even point our finger on him. And who's going to tell them that God loves them, that he died for them, that he gave his only son for them? Sometimes it's better not to argue. Sometimes it's better to not show your, your way of thinking. Sometimes it's just better to give a testimony of your life. This is what Todd did. He came to this guy. He said, 
you were born in sin. You were born in sin and your family didn't know how valuable, valuable you are. But God knows. And then he gave him his testimony of God's goodness. I was in rehabs. I was doing this. I was doing that. But God found me. Jesus found me. And then he said, hey, and God loves you too. Do you want me to pray with you? So that's the answer. <laughs> Is God good? That's the answer for the young people. Is God good? Give your testimony. Give testimony of God's goodness in your life. Tell them about Jesus. Don't go, if you have to, but don't go through all the scriptures in the Old Testament. Tell them what's the reason for Old Testament. To show how hopeless we are. To show that no law, no discipline can save us. To show that we all need a Savior. Because we need a Savior. And this generation, this generation with no identity, they need a Savior. And we are the light of the world. Like here hanging in this darkness. And each one of us, if you have Jesus in your heart, it means you have light in your heart. Don't hold this light under the basket. I speak to myself and I speak to few of you. Don't hold this light under the basket. The time is short. Your time might be short. People hate them, you know. People sometimes, they, they just point fingers. They say, oh, this new generation, oh, youth these days, young people these days. <laughs> they need love. <laughs> All they need is love. Love of God, forgiveness. And they know they have messed up. They know they are in trouble. And they want a cure for this trouble. 